Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse, on your way to work, at the gym, wherever and whenever you have time to get updated. Please remember that this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Stay tuned for additional disclosures at the end of today's episode. So, are you ready? Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode. This week, I'm joined by two legends of the game, Ben Laidler and Josh Gilbert. First of all, Josh, you're back from your skiing trip. How are you? I'm back. Yeah, all in one piece, which is always pretty key, I think, when you come back from a skiing holiday. So, yeah, no uh, major accidents to report. So, yeah, very good. Thank you, Sam. And happy new year to all the listeners. It is the 10th of Jan. I think we can still say that. So. Yeah, just about, just about. I know you saw a uh, a bear where you were out in Canada. I hope that's not a sign of things to come. Ben, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Your the the puns are just terrible, but <laughs> uh, yeah, very very jealous. Wish I was skiing. Yeah, listeners are used to it by now. Uh, I think uh, this week we're going to talk about the latest uh, retail investor beat. Uh, we do an episode each quarter. Uh, uh, for those that don't know, one, the link to the article is going to be in the bio, but also, Ben, can you just explain to our listeners what exactly is it? Oh, yeah. So this is our quarterly sort of pulse check, if you like, of the global retail uh, investor, what they're thinking and, and how they're investing. So we polled 10,000 retail investors in 13 countries um, from the US to Australia and all the way across Europe. Uh, there's a lot of these types of surveys for institutional investors, but but shockingly few to try and understand uh, the increasingly important uh, retail investor. And this is our uh, small effort to uh, write that wrong. Yeah. And it is a great time for us, Ben, to sort of see it under the hood of the retail investor and to sort of get an understanding of of sort of what they are doing. And, and the brilliant thing about the survey is it does tend to sort of change every time we look at it every quarter. So what were the standout findings from sort of the Q4 2023 survey regarding retail investors' investment preferences? You know, how are retail investors currently balancing their portfolios between those established winners uh, in 2023, but also those laggards as well? Yeah, great question. So the survey shows that you know retail investors are holding on to their US stocks, holding on to their tech stocks, and to the sort of crypto winners from 2023. Um, but they're also beginning to be contrarian and sort of nibble at sort of last year's laggards. And and this is very much in line with I think what they should be doing. Um, these are the, the sort of cheaper, more out-of-favor assets that are the most sensitive to our outlook for this year of an economic soft landing and you know interest rate cuts, whether in the US you know, or in Europe. So you know, tech's still the top pick. Um, it's the biggest sector globally. 14% of investors uh, say it's their, it's their preference. Obviously, was the best performer you know, last year. But this is pretty closely followed by these cheaper and out-of-favor sectors. So financials, banks, biggest sector in Europe, um, top three sector in the US, you know, favored by 11%. Real estate, uh, REITs, obviously big underperformer last year, you know, number three favored by 9%. Uh, and I think both those sort of last two sectors are really sort of front and center as, you know, if we do get the economic soft landing, if we do get interest rate cuts this year, 
uh, they should both do pretty well. Fingers crossed for that soft landing. We don't want to see it go the other way. Ben, can you, uh, just looking at the report, uh, could you elaborate a little bit on the shifting investment trends uh, amongst these retail investors? How are they balancing their focus between the traditional favourites like the US and emerging markets such as Europe uh, and Asia? Yeah, so the US, you know, by far the biggest sort of global stock market, right? It's nearly sort of two thirds of global equities. Um, and it's you know the top pick for investors, but only by 24% of investors. That sounds like a lot. But again, when you compare it against just how supersized US stock markets are, it's not as big as it sounds. Um, and set against that, you know, similar to what we were talking about on the stock side with this sort of healthy contrarian focus, you're also seeing it at the, at the country and the regional level. So Europe is ranked second uh, with 18% having it as their top market for the year. And then emerging markets third. Uh, with 11%. Now, these, you know, were the big laggards, or, you know, certainly in the case of EM last uh, last year, uh, and they're ranking, you know, not badly uh, this year. And again, very much in line with our view that, you know, last year was all about the US and big tech, very narrow performance. If you didn't own those, you didn't make very much money. This year, I think it's going to be much broader. You know, more assets are going to do well. Um, and, you know, if you own Europe, if you own EM, hopefully you should sort of pick up on that. Uh, that's the good news. The less good news, uh, especially for the likes of you and I and um, and Josh, is the UK, Australia, uh, along with Japan, are just completely out of sight, out of mind, you know, in the dustbin, uh, as, as investors are thinking. You know, only 4 to 5% of investors prioritizing them for, for 2024. Uh, you know, I, I quite like the sort of contrarian side to that, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, very little interest from investors in uh, in, in these markets. Yeah, if you're feeling contrarian, those are three areas of the market to, to sort of maybe uh, keep an eye on, as you sort of say, Ben. And, and we sort of spoke a little bit there about sort of, you know, markets in terms of localization, geographical locations. One of the sort of big interests that we had from retail investors in terms of sectors was was probably AI or, or maybe trends, I should say, or themes in 2023. And we've seen that interest in AI-related stocks, you know, continue to grow. What factors do you think are driving that trend other than the huge gains that we saw last year? And, and how do demographic and geographic factors influence the adoption of those stocks? Yeah, so, you know, the AI stocks like NVIDIA and Meta were the sort of performance juggernauts of last year. They led the tech sector rebound. They propelled the S&P 500 into sort of bull market territory. And you know, one in four investors in the survey, so 27%, um, hold AI related stocks, you know, in their portfolio. So you can see, you know, what was driving that rebound. Um, and clearly we're seeing this very fast, very aggressive adoption, you know, of AI, both across stock markets, but increasingly uh, across economies. And it's really moving from, you know, hype, if you like, to uh, dollars and cents, you know, reality. And uh, the results of this survey tell you there's quite a long way to go. So if 27% own AI today, 35% say they're going to own it, um, AI stocks, you know, in the future. And only 30% say that, um, you know, they're, they're just not interested. So I don't think that AI story, whether it's on the fundamentals with this accelerated adoption spreading to the economy or on the stock market, with more investors saying they're going to own AI stocks than currently own, I don't think the AI story uh, is done. Um, and to your point, though, there's a clear demographic and geographic split as to what people think about AI. 
you know, the youngest cohort of investors, 18 to 34, you know, the digital natives uh, have the biggest appetite for this sector. 43% own it, um, own it today. Uh, whereas if you look to you know, the oldest cohort of investors, 55% plus, that number falls pretty dramatically to only uh, 11%. Uh, there's also a big geographic split. Uh, the US, obviously full of tech stocks, unsurprisingly, um, 32% of investors own AI, AI stocks today. It's the most of any country uh, in the world. And, and, and not to pick on you, but in sort of resource-laden <laughs> Australia, uh, that number falls dramatically to the sort of bottom of the list. Only 20% of investors in Australia um, own AI stocks today. Come on, Australia. Josh, have a word with them. Uh, I always I'll find it, it interesting out. seeing the, the data on the different geographic regions and the ages. It's always uh, super interesting. Uh, the data of this report also suggests that maybe younger investors are prioritizing cash, uh, possibly amidst the increased expenses that we're seeing. Any insights you can share on this, Ben, uh, and the impact on obviously their investment strategies because of it, especially when it comes to maybe tech or crypto? A real surprise, actually. So, you know, 65% of those younger investors uh, increased cash uh, in the last few months. And that's double the proportion of that oldest cohort of investors of 55% plus. This really flies in the face of sort of conventional uh, investment wisdom, which mm. says that older investors um, should be doing this more than younger investors. You know, the older investors lowering risk as they near retirement versus those more sort of more risk tolerant younger investors that have much longer uh, investment horizons. In fact, exactly the opposite has been happening. And the data tells you that why? Because younger investors uh, are really feeling this sort of cost of living squeeze and are having to raise cash, you know, because of that. Um, 29% attribute this to you know, higher household expenses, higher bills, uh, higher mortgage or rental payments. 19% say they're saving to, uh, you know, to buy a home. Whereas, you know, those older investors just you know, seemingly less impacted by, uh, by all of this. And, um, you know, if they're raising cash, they're doing it just to lock in these sort of 5%. Uh, interest rate so you know a, r a real surprising takeaway yeah and it is as you say you know a real surprise given uh how strong we saw performance of markets in 2023 but again as we say given that we're seeing interest rates at sort of decade hides amongst sort of cost of living crisis pretty much across the globe maybe it is no surprise at the end of the day and and one of those reasons that we had a cost of living crisis was inflation which was obviously rampant in 2023 uh, and it remained a top concern amongst investors, despite actually falling pretty dramatically around the world last year. But could you discuss why you think this perception, you know, persists as sort of the biggest concern and how it's affecting investment decisions? And, and why do you think that we're seeing also in this survey geopolitical risks actually rank pretty low on sort of the, the broader spectrum? Yeah, I was really surprised by this section, actually. So inflation still by far the biggest risk um, mm. for investors, you know, by 24%. And as you say, even as inflation has plunged globally from the sort of double digit levels or near double digit of a year ago to, you know, the 3%-ish levels on both sides of the Atlantic, you know, right now, this I think tells us that investors are, you know, very worried about those sort of last hard yards of inflation. You know, how do we get back from so 3 4% to 2% and potentially, you know, the risks of a resurgence uh, in inflation, whether that's, you know, because of higher commodity prices or, or, or what you will. So clearly these sort of cost of living concerns are sort of foremost. 
Um, you know, elsewhere, high interest rates, which you know often go along with um, with inflation, you know, less of a risk. Interestingly, right, the fifth uh, rank risk. I think this may tell us um, about you know a lot of mortgage rates are fixed globally. A lot of mortgages are very long term in many parts of the world, uh, even if uh, you know not in the UK. Uh, other risks, uh, sort of recession risk, were quite low or reasonably low. I thought that was interesting. Second and third, nineteen percent. Uh, globally, 15% in sort of home markets, um, but, you know, still reasonably high and maybe challenging this sort of market consensus, which is out there, which is we're going to see this sort of immaculate uh, economic soft landing. There's not going to be a recession. Uh, investors still, you know, reasonably worried. But the one thing they're not worried about, and, and this sort of surprised me, is a sort of international conflict. Only 14% worry about that. It's a fourth rank risk. And that, I guess, just struck me as quite a low number, given that the Ukraine war is still grinding on. We've got, you know, renewed tensions in the Middle East. Uh, and we have this huge election timetable uh, for this year, uh, bookended by you know, Taiwan this weekend, all the way through to um, to the US election in November. Yeah, got elections coming out of our ears. Uh, for those that are on YouTube, please remember, well, firstly, like, share, subscribe, but also let us know in the chat, what do you think? Uh, what are you thinking about those risks? What really stands out to you? And is there anything that hasn't been discussed that you've you've got on your mind? Um, ben, despite a little bit of optimi- optimism, only a fraction really of these retail investors believe a bull market has started. Uh, the primary drivers behind this sentiment, what are you thinking? Uh, how are investors approaching their portfolio in light of this view? And also, what do you think is really fueling the growth in the number of retail investors, particularly in specific regions uh, among certain demographics? Yeah, very interesting. I mean, retail investors basically telling you this market has you know a lot further to go. Only 11% think that we've actually started a new bull market. And those are looking, and most of them are put, looking to put more money in, in the market, you know, four to one versus people that are looking to, you know, take money out of the market. And this is interesting because allocations for stocks are already pretty high. And interestingly, investors have, you know, pretty sober expectations or pretty, you know, uh, expectations for returns of only seven or eight percent, which is a little bit below long term averages. And just sort of interesting how sort of maybe realistic it is. Um, and to your point, this is a cohort which just continues to grow in size, frankly, despite whether we're in a bull market or a bear market. You know, 7% of investors new to markets in the last year, 18% new, so one-fifth in the last two years. And again, this pace, very consistent, whether we're in the bear market of 2022 or the bull market recovery of, of 2023. And I think this just shows more broadly the structural drivers here. You know, retail investors looking to take more control of their financial futures, helped by, you know, cheap stock trading, fractional ownership, you know, online platforms, you know, online uh, community. Uh, And then you delve into that. And it's quite interesting, you know, Spain, Norway, Eastern Europe, where the growth has really come from, uh, but also women, 21% of female investors new to markets in in the last couple of years. Um, you know, growing much faster than the number of sort of male investors. Also skewing, you know, younger. You know, a third of investors, uh, new investors are, you know, aged, um, uh, are aged under sort of 30-ish, which I think is, you know, very interesting. So, you know, all this is very bullish, you know, more investors coming into the market and investing more money in stocks. Yeah, and it's really interesting. We spoke about there about 
the younger generation or, you know, new investors sort of coming into the market. And 2023 was, you know, a very different year, given that we had interest rates at decade highs and inflation at that sort of level. Now we're on the other end of that because we're going to start to see a potential decline in inflation even further, interest rate cuts. How might the behavior of younger investors change with that? You know, are there expectations for shifts in their investment strategies or asset allocations? This is going to be something that's quite new to them. So what are we seeing from that, Ben? So right now, younger investors are performing a real balancing act. So on the one hand, they have these increased allocations to cash, but that's also still alongside these very high allocations to sort of tech and the crypto outperformers of 2023. And when you ask them their sort of favorite asset going forward, you know, 15% say crypto. That's the highest of all uh, of, of all the assets. But to your point, the big question for this year, for 2024, is what are these younger investors, you know, going to do as inflation falls and interest rates, you know, fall, you know, along with it? Um, in the survey, uh, over a third, 37%, say that, you know, they built cash to reinvest in the stock market. Uh, and this is very bullish. I mean, this reallocation from cash to stocks as interest rates fall uh, could end up being one of the biggest uh, market drivers you know, of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, final question then, Ben. Out of 10, give us your rating for the retail investor. Are you happy with their decisions, their performances, their allocations, or you think there's room for improvement? always room for improvement but i think they pretty much nailed it last year i mean they held on to tech they had you know had a lot of crypto which is by far the best performing asset yeah. uh last year so you know we'll give them a break for raising a little bit of cash um i, I think they i'll give them an eight. Oh yeah we'll take that absolutely uh ben josh it's been an absolute pleasure uh, and we'll be together uh in three months time for the next uh retail investor beat thank you very much for joining thanks guys Thanks. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results.